presence. It's in Jesus' name. Everyone said, come on, give the Lord a hand to pray. Come on, it's good. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. We dismiss the kids here for our children's church hour. Again, all of the kids who stay in, uh, sermon notes are over here. Please feel free to do that and turn them in. I read all your prayer requests. Um, I really appreciate that, and uh, it's, it's so powerful to see the things that are happening. Uh, again, as we're getting set here, we want you to um, realize that the, the next few weeks uh, and until the end of the year here, we're going to be taking our journey uh, in our Christmas sermon series that we've titled The Cast of Christmas. Um, and so I hope that you will plan to be here as we move through uh, the prophets and um, the, the angels, the shepherds, amen. And uh, did I miss something? No? Okay. My daughter-in-law is looking at me like I, I should. Uh-oh, sorry. I just wanted to make sure I didn't forget something. She goes, usually my family tries to rescue me uh, and, and those things. So, um, and those, we'll be doing Advent readings every week. And I want them to be something that you uh, ponder on and uh, begin to do. Please share the messages as you can. As we believe that uh, Christmas is a season to be an incredible witness. Amen. So uh, I want you to turn me in your Bibles today to Micah chapter 5. That's in the uh, Minor Prophets. Micah chapter 5. And I want to set the scene for us. Christmas. In the cast of Christmas, today I've chosen to start with the prophets. And the journey will carry us all the way to Christmas Eve to the birth of Christ in Bethlehem. I appreciate back in the summer the interns uh, that were here were helping me with this message. And so way back in the summer we were uh, working on these things and, and talking about these ideas. Uh, so when you see that in the budget, I want you to realize that... Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a greater deal. There's a lot of work that the interns are doing in 10 weeks um, to help us all year long, not just in a 10-week session. So I uh, really appreciate their efforts this year in helping us get the Christmas sermon series ready. Um, I hope you'll enjoy it. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, you are too little. Everybody say, too little. Too little. You are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me, one who is to be the ruler in Israel, who's coming forth from the old, from the ancient days. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reading of the word. Bless it to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everybody said, are you ready? I said, are you ready? Okay, you officially have 25 days to get your Christmas shopping done okay. from this day. <laughs> from right now, you got 25 days to get all your Christmas shopping done. Don't be those people who are on Christmas Eve out there. Child, I, I never have understood how pe- some, some, some folk can go... Uh, you know, Black Friday shopping start at, uh, you know, 3 a.m. till midnight and still have to buy stuff on Christmas Eve. It happens. 
But I don't want you to worry about it. I don't want to panic. I don't want to put any pressure on you because really, you can do your Christmas shopping anytime now, right? I mean, just get online. You just order it. Like tomorrow, I believe, is Cyber Monday. And, you know, there's people who take off work, spend the whole day on Amazon. And, and it just, you just order it, and it just, it just comes right to your house, right there to your house. Uh, I read a little article this week, according to the Washington Post, uh, UPS will deliver over 750 million packages over the Christmas holiday. That's just UPS. Think about this. They do the work. You just enjoy waiting. Everybody say waiting. Waiting, waiting for the package. And there are some exciting gift options that you can do. And if you're like me, more and more, you just wonder, why even go to the store? They have nothing I'm looking for, and they have nobody to help me look for it. I just go online, and boop, there it is. And it's, you know, um, you're just like that, right? Like the, and that's why, you know, there'll be more than 750 million packages. Because, uh, you know, I spent, my, I spent 20 years in retail, um, and I know how Christmas shoppers are. Hello, somebody. And you know what? Here, here's the deal, right? Like, do you guys know, you guys know that Merle Schwartz is fond of bacon, right? Like, Merle is fond of bacon. And, and I have settled, I have found something for Norma that is going to settle all her Christmas shopping for Merle for the rest of his life. Did, did you know, did you know that be, Merle loves bacon so much that Norma, for $50 a month, she could sign him up for Bacon of the Month Club. I kid you not. I kid you not. And once a month, Merle will receive in the mail two packages of one-pound artisan bacon. Not just any old pig, but I'm talking gourmet stuff. Can you imagine Merle opening that Christmas present on Christmas morning and then knowing for the rest of the year that every month he's going to get bacon in the mail? This guy's going to have anticipation for every day, every month. It's Christmas every month for him. It's 50 bucks a month, Norma. I'll give you the link later. Did, did you guys know that Holly Gintz, Holly, I did not know this until this past week, Holly Gintz is a pickle connoisseur. She is a pickle connoisseur. She loves pickles. I did not know that. Did you know Justin Gintz could sign Holly up as a Christmas present for a pickle of the month? You can literally do it. And, and she would have all this anticipation. She's waiting. Wait, can you see Holly every day waiting to check the mail? What pickle is coming today? Most of you might not have known until uh, Tim Carpenter until a couple of weeks ago. Tim Carpenter, uh, just until a couple of weeks ago at youth group, Tim Carpenter had never in his whole entire life eaten a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. This is, this is one of your elders. It's sinful. And at youth group, they made him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. He, and he ate peanut butter and jelly sandwich for the first time in his whole life a few weeks ago. And, and, and at youth group, did you know 
It's a true story that Lynette could sign Tim Carpenter up. Yes! Yes! Brett is like, Rudy, listen. Lynette could settle her Christmas gift idea for Tim right here and now, and she could sign him up for the peanut butter and jelly sandwich of the month club. It is a real thing. Somebody's making millions of dollars, and it ain't me making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Every month, Tim would go to the mail, and he would get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in the mail with gourmet, not, not just any peanut butter, hello somebody, gourmet peanut butter. Not just any old kind of jelly and jam, no, 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 no. This is the peanut butter and jelly sandwich of the month. Come on, y'all. See, if you got gift-giving ideas, I can help you out. I, I, if you just ever wonder what to get me for Christmas, I love a medium-rare ribeye steak. And, and you can sign me up. <laughs> you can do that. You can do that. Can you imagine my anticipation? Checking the mail. And nice, juicy ribeye. Come on, somebody. Who would not? Hello, Doug. Doug, do it. Do it for me. Like, that's what you'd answer. The Holy Ghost would hit you every time you just check the mail. Oh, glory. Look at, thank God for Noah. Putting cows on the ark. I'm sorry. I don't know where I'm going here. Um, My wife is not here to keep me in order today, so y'all pray for her. Christmas is certainly a time of waiting and expectation, isn't it? Oh, come on. Even kids, right? Right now, all these kids are like, come on, Christmas break. Come on, Christmas break. They go into class, and they're like, help me out, Wells, right? You're like, when? When is it? When is the last day of school before Christmas break? 70, the girls know it, man. You are just done. Like, you're just like, I don't know. Do I go to school today or not? These girls are like, the 17th, we are out of here. They are anticipating, they're waiting for Christmas break. Let me give you a truth. Are you ready? The vast majority of our lives is filled with waiting and preparation. Only a fraction of our life is actually experience, celebration, and doing stuff. Think about that. That is a truth. I mean, just think about Thanksgiving you just ate. How much time did you spend in the kitchen to cook the meal that you ate versus the amount of time it took you to actually eat the meal? Waiting and anticipation. Come on, you got that turkey on the smoker? Brisket on the smoke. Hello, Jesus. I mean, that's when you actually start praying, Lord, Terry, just, just Terry, the, the smoker is just, right? Come on. How much time, 12 hours cooking meat on the, to sit down and eat it in 20 minutes? Not to mention Christmas morning. We spend 
the whole month of December, some of y'all spend longer than that, shopping, buying, wrapping, preparing, putting up. Look at all of this. Putting lights and trees and stuff all over the place. And, you know, my wife's like, are you going to put lights on, lights on the outside of the house? Absolutely not. She said, why not? I said, because January, the coldest month of the year in Michigan, you're going to want me out there taking down those lights. Ain't happening. Ain't happening. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Think about all Christmas morning, you get up and it, all this time and preparation and, and you know what, the kids are just, there's paper everywhere and in 10 minutes, it's done. Think about that. Often we actually, here's what happens, I, I think that often we, we, we finally think we're doing stuff and actually we're just waiting, preparing for a new location. Life, church, is filled with so much more preparation and waiting than doing. And it brings me to this point. This thought process that preparation is actually the point. Hang with me, hang with me. Even our time here on earth, what are we doing? What are we doing here? We're preparing for eternity. Every day of our life is preparation for eternity. Every day is preparing our hearts to be more and more like Jesus. This book, which I encourage you to read, this book that I have spent the last, you know, 25 plus years just soaking into, and the whole Old Testament, the whole Old Testament is actually preparation for one moment in all of history. I want you to read the Old Testament with that thought and mindset. All of the Old Testament is actually preparation for one moment in all of history, and that is the birth of Christ. Come on. Think, just wrap your mind around that a little bit. Some of you college students, man, I want you to start wrapping. You're like, okay, here we are. When you're in Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, okay, we're just prepping for the birth of Christ. <laughs> you got to grab a hold of this. The first declaration of the gospel is in Genesis. Adam and Eve fall into sin, and what does God do? He preaches the gospel to Satan first. He says to Satan, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you'll strike his heel. Of course, that offspring is who? Come on, come on. It's the one that all of Christmas points to and celebrates. It's Jesus Christ. So the entire Old Testament prepares and points us to the great moment when our Savior and Messiah came to save us from the curse. I love it, church. The prophets longed and looked for his coming. So much so that, let me give you an example here, right? The law and all the temple, it, its sacrifices showed us a need for our Savior. Come on. The slavery and the sorrow of the Israelites as we move through that, it points to the bondage that we have faced and the acknowledge that we need His arrival. We need a Savior. 700 years before Jesus is born, the prophet Micah, is inspired by God to look forward 
Come on, church, this is a day when we need to be inspired by God to look forward. This is a day when the enemy and this broken world wants to cause us to fear right here, right now, so much so that we can't see any hope for tomorrow. We can't have any hope for the goodness of of God. We can't have any hope for a future. That's why I think it's so powerful that right now we start with hope for our Advent season. The prophets look forward. Micah's looking forward to the hope of God. He writes, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be a ruler over Israel, whose origins are from the old and ancient times. Chris Tomlin wrote a hymn, a modern day hymn, And it's Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God incarnate here to dwell. Come on, come on. Oh, praise his name. Come on, we're singing it. The one from ancient time whom Micah wrote about is more than just who we think he is. He's got more than 100 names. He's called the Alpha, the Omega. He's called the Word of Life, the Bright and Morning Star, the Light of the World. He's called I Am. He's called the Ancient of Days. He's called Jesus. His name, Emmanuel, means God with us. And when Jesus arrived, here's what he does. He humbly and quietly in a small and forgotten town came to a place that didn't have room for his arrival. The church... We must not allow the circumstances that he chose to fulfill these prophecies to confuse us with who this child is. He's the ancient one. Come on, church. He's the creator. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the giver of life and the word of God. For hundreds of years, the Israelites and the prophets looked forward and waited for his rescue. And Advent is a perfect time for us to wait and prepare. And just like the prophets, just like the prophets, watch this. Just like they waited for the Messiah, we wait for his return. And some of us sit in this room, we can understand Micah, Isaiah, Moses. We can, we can, we can understand with them they're look, looking forward to his return, their need. Their need. And like them, we know he's coming, but we don't know when. And like them, we need to prepare our hearts to receive and grow in him. We need, we need to prepare our hearts to anticipate the day when we will meet him face to face. And I want you to understand that he, he may tarry. But you can be certain that we live in the last days. And I'm not trying to work you up. I'm, trying to, I'm not trying to motivate you with any kind of fear. I'm trying to say you can be certain with your own eyes that we live in the last days. And I believe that we will soon see his arrival. I believe that we will soon meet him. Either at the end of our own lives. 
or at his return. Either way, you've got to be prepared. Mr. Ricky is here this morning. We love you, my friend. Miss Cindy passed away this week. And I got a call, and I said, can I come to the hospital? And I, came, I went to the hospital this week on Wednesday. And the nurses were expecting me, and uh, most of the time they don't let you in and those things. And uh, I got to the nurse's station. I said, hey, I'm Pastor Don, and I'm here to see uh, Ricky and Cindy Sinclair. She said, oh, we've been waiting on you. We knew you were coming. And they dressed me up in this suit. And we went in there, and Miss Cindy was there, and she smiled and looked at me, and we began to talk. And I prayed with her and Ricky for a while. And I said to her, I said, you know, Miss Cindy, one of us is going to see Jesus. I don't know who's going to see him first. I might see Jesus first. You might see Jesus before I do. I said, but let's me and you make a pact right now. And she looked at me. She she said, yes, let's do it. She had no idea what I was about to suggest. I said, Miss Cindy, if I see Jesus before you do, I'm going to promise you that I'm going to stay right by his side and I am going to pester him until he comes down here and touches you. She smiled. I said, but if you see Jesus before I do, you make me a promise that you will stay by his side and you will pester him because that crazy little preacher in Centerville needs lots of help. (laughs) And she laughed. She said, yes, I will do that. We made a pact. We prayed and a little after one o'clock I left the hospital, and as I was walking out the door, I looked back at Miss Cindy. I said, now you make sure you keep your promises. I'll keep mine. She smiled and waved at me and promised she would. That was a little after 1 1 p.m. at 2 p.m. She beat me. She beat me. She saw Jesus face to face. When I got the call that she had saw Jesus, I said, I am so sorry, Lord. She's going to be there pestering you. <laughs> but I do need some help. What a joy. Even in that moment, we're still preparing to meet him. Come on. Come on. And see, here's the deal. God is working in our preparation process because a little over six years ago when Ricky met Cindy, she wasn't a Christian. He was. And like a good husband, he led his wife to Christ. And now she is secure because she was prepared to meet him. Come on, let's give God praise for that. you to understand something with this crazy little preacher that needs a lot of help. Preparation begins with repentance. John the Baptist, who is an Old Testament prophet that we meet in the New Testament. Yes, that's good theology. 
He shows us how to prepare our hearts for Jesus in our lives now as we prepare for his return. He says in Matthew 3, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He says in verse 8, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. He says in verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance. Preparation begins. Everybody say begins. begins. With repentance. Had someone contact me this week who's, who's struggling in life and they pray for this. I need all these miracles and those type of things. And I said, are you prepared to be a part, be a partner with God in the solution for the struggles you have? Yes, I am. I said, great. Tell me one thing you can change right now. I don't have any money. I don't have this. No, 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 no. Tell me one thing you can change right now. Right now, what is one change you can make? What is one thing you can do right now that will partner with God in faith to move towards change? This is what I can do. I said, do it and do it now. You do your part, I guarantee you God does his. You can't start in the middle. You can't start to prepare in the middle. Preparation begins with repentance, and repentance in its purest, simplest country boy definition just means to turn and go a different direction. I was going this way, but now I'm going this. I showed a little video clip of something I was just inspired. I've been working through a personal devotion in my own life about, about you know, a whole heart, being, having the wounds in your heart healed and working through. You, you cannot be a true warrior if your heart isn't proper. And this movie, The Kingdom of Heaven, which I love, is about a young knight who was a blacksmith. And at the end of the movie, he is, he is now standing, leading this army against Saladin and, and trying to defend Jerusalem. And as he stands in front of his army and he's knighting men to fight, someone recognizes him. A man that he's actually trying to encourage to fight recognizes him as the blacksmith. And he looks at him and says, but you, he says, I am not what I was. And neither are you. Oh, I was like glory. Come on. I am not what I was. And the bishop was all, you know, fancied in his dolls and religion. And he says, do you, do you believe that making a man a knight will make him a better fighter? And he says, yes. I love it. That scene to me is so powerful. It's probably the most powerful scene in every, any movie I've ever seen in my life. This is your oath. And then he gives him a David Campbell slap. On the face. Pow. And that is so you don't forget it. I love it. I love it. My wife's like, please don't slap anybody. Please don't slap anybody. I was like, so good. What John is saying to us is change your approach. Come on, come on. John's not calling out, you better start feeling guilty about the things you've done. God's not saying, you better start feeling bad about the things you've done. What John is saying to us is change your, report, or approach, uh, your approach, reconsider how you think about things, and begin to think differently. The first key to any deliverance is change your thinking. 
Jesus says, as a man thinks, so is he. you got to get the stinking thinking out. That's why the Bible says, let the water of the word wash your mind and renew your spirit. Amen. The Bible says, put the word in and it'll change you from the inside out. It'll revolutionize the way you think. The problem in this world is Christians, especially Western, we are biblically literate and therefore we cannot be critical thinkers. Instead, like sheep, we walk off a cliff. John is saying, change your approach. Change the way you think about things. Gentlemen, you want to be delivered from pornography? You will never be delivered from it until you hate it. Until you hate it with everything that's in you. Until you want to kill it. Ladies, you want to be delivered from bitterness? You will never be delivered from it as long as you find comfort in it. I could go on, but I got stuff to do. You got to change your thinking. And that's what we've got to do here. John is saying you got to change your thinking. Change your approach. Eddie, Eddie goes into a hardware store, right? And, 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 and Eddie needs to buy a chainsaw. And so he tells the guy at the hardware store, listen, I need a chainsaw that will cut down 10 trees per hour. And so the, the guy goes over and says, this is the best chainsaw we have. This one will do the job. And so Eddie buys that chainsaw, and he goes home, and, and he begins to work. And the next day, Eddie comes back to the hardware store, and he's incredibly frustrated with this chainsaw. He's so mad. And the same guy who sold him the chainsaw is there. And he's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I got me and him. He's about to meet Jesus. The guy says, what is the matter, Eddie? He said, this chainsaw you sold me. You told me it would cut down 10 trees an hour. And he said, well, what's wrong with it? It only cut down one tree per hour. So the guy says, let me look at it. Puts a chainsaw up there, and he, he tinkers around with it. It's got fuel, it's got gas, it's got all this stuff, and, and, and he, he turns the choke a little bit, pulls the cord, and the thing cranks right up, and, and, and then he turns it off, and he goes, and Eddie looks at him and says, what was that noise? Some of y'all get that later. There's some people who are just like, and where's Brenda? That did not actually happen, Brenda. Okay, and uh, look at Juliana. She's just like, oh my. <laughs> don't send me any emails. I asked Eddie if I could use his name. Okay, please don't. Was it right? <laughs> oh. Eddie needs to think differently and change his approach. Advent gives us an opportunity to consider our approach and make changes. Come on, somebody. Is Christmas going to be like all the rest? Is this Christmas going to be rushed? Is this Christmas going to be stressful? Is this Christmas going to be overwhelming? Are we going to take a cue from the prophets of old who were waiting and preparing for his revival, right? Will we allow this season to be one of reflection and adoration and repentance? Listen, there is no better footing on the road to Jesus than a broken road with humility understanding our need for repentance and despite all the Old Testament prophecies 
describing the birth, the life, the death, and the purpose of the Messiah, the vast majority missed it. He's standing in front of them and they don't even know who he is. The one they've been waiting for has finally showed up. He is there and they don't recognize him. Why? Their mistake was in their belief of the mission of the Messiah. Oh, church, you got to get this. They thought that the mission of the Messiah had nothing to do with salvation from sin, but everything to do from deliverance of an oppression ruling government. And so they missed him because they were mistaken about his mission. Let's not make the same mistake. Let's remember that we are desperate and we are in need not only for a way uh, out of this world. Listen, you are in more desperate need than a way to pay for Christmas presents. And, and, and if the media is telling you that your Christmas is going to be ruined because your presents are, 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 that are on some boat out in the Gulf in, in California, you have missed the mission. Do we like gifts? The, the ribeye of the month club is a nice hello, somebody. Sure. But if Christmas is ruined because they can't unload a boat, not only have we missed the mission, the church has ultimately failed at declaring the birth of Christ. We're desperate for a savior who will cleanse us from our sin. We, we are in need of a Messiah who came to die for what we have done. Preparation begins with repentance. And true preparation brings fruit. Hello, somebody. Fruit of our lives shows our preparation. Come on. The fruit of our lives shows our preparation. I need you to understand something. Sometimes change that we need to make is incremental. It takes some time until it's completed. But if you aren't willing to walk away from the sin that you need saving from, hello somebody. We need to see the real impact in the ugliness of sin. And the ugliness needs to be so ugly that we say to ourselves, I will do whatever it takes to never go there again. I'm never going there again. I am never going there again. I will do whatever it takes. Lord, help me. Please show me where I can go, what I can do to turn my back and be free. I've often said to guys that Proof of desires in pursuit. You show me how, you tell me, I'll know how hard you want something by how hard you pursue it. And then a guy in here who had married to the woman he's married to right now, because man, at some point in your life, you thought there isn't a better woman on this planet. And you pursued her. You did stupid stuff. <laughs> You embarrassed yourself. Come on. You stayed up late. 
You lost sleep. You were in pursuit. Hello, sir. There's a great book every couple ought to read. It's written to men, but every couple ought to read it. The title of the book is called, Oops, I Forgot My Wife. I dare you to read it together as a couple. Change your life. Oops, I forgot my wife. I promise you, you won't be able to put it down. You're like, oh, here we go. He's just prepping for the marriage sermon series. Well, I'm always doing that, but... I want to say it a different way. Our sincerity is proven by the way we live. I want to say it that way. Is that, is that, is that good enough? Do, do you want to know if you're preparing for Christ's arrival? Am I doing that, Pastor Don? Do you want proof that you're getting ready for Advent? Just answer this question. Is my life bearing fruit? The test for a heart is that an active in its preparation to meet Jesus is the test whether we can see the evidence of fruit in our lives. I took the guys from Florida, uh, from Michigan to Florida to help with my dad's right during peanut harvesting season. Some of these guys, farmers all their life, but they'd never seen peanuts being harvested. But when we walked out into that peanut field, there's no denying what it is. Why? Because there's peanuts on it. That's what they look like. That's what vines look like. Can you imagine farmers? They just never farmed peanuts. And so now I didn't have to explain to him, okay, guys, those green things that you see out there with those little bitty things on the bottom of them under the ground, that's called a peanut. And those small ones, right, I don't even know what you call them, but the big ones we call those goobers, and those are the best ones to boil. Oh, my aching back. Everybody knew peanuts. There they are. Now we see them. Fruit bears testimony to identity. Think of your life. Think of your life right now, three, four Christmases ago. Do you have more fruit in your life now? Brenna, last Christmas, you didn't have no wife. This Christmas, you got a wife. You got more fruit now than last Christmas? Yet say it. Don't be ashamed. (laughs) Is there more fruit? Has Advent and my preparation been producing something in my life that leads me along? Listen, if so, keep going. You don't need another wife. Just love the one now you got. If you're effectively preparing, last Christmas, Brenna and I were talking about, you got a house for that girl? You got money for her? You going to be able to feed her? There going to be lights on? One way. I mean, we talked about all these things. She going to show up here. You can't, you're going to be living in mom and dad's basement. Look at Eddie. No, no. If not, it's not too late to start. Come on. Repent and of complacency. That's where we need to go. Repent of religion. Yeah. 
Oh, my aching back. Just And anything that holds us back, draw near to God in expectancy and look for ways to be fruitful in our lives. Christmas is coming. Hello, somebody. I said, Crit, you got 25 days to shop. It's a little further out than that, a couple days beyond that. But the second advent is coming. I said, the second advent is coming in our expectancy. Let's get prepared. Come on, church. And here's what I want us to do. Expect a rescue. It's so important that we would remember our preparation is not our salvation. Pastor Don's not preaching that. It's not works to get saved. Our preparation is our response to what Jesus already did. Who's familiar with this movie, um, Captain Phillips, that Tom Hanks played in it? It's a true life story of a uh, a merchant boat that was... uh, uh, pirates ha- had taken over it, and may- you see the story. Yeah, you, you watched the movie. Great, uh, and you'll likely remember that it's based on a true story. And uh, these Somali pirates had had, had taken over this cargo ship uh, that was, uh, you know, piloted by Captain Phillips. And uh, throughout the, a series of events, um, Captain Phillips con- convinces the, the the pirates to let the crew go and leave the cargo ship and take him alone and flee in the lifeboats. I don't know how he did it, but he managed to do that. And one of the best movies in the film, you just can't watch a movie. There's something, you know what I'm saying, right? I mean, there's stupid movies. But then there's things like, what, there's a message, God, what, what are you saying? What are you saying? Watch this. One of the best moments in the film is the moment that had to be the most epic in the real life, Captain Phillips. When out of the darkness, the horns of the USS Bainbridge thunder through the sea and the floodlights illuminate the ocean around the lifeboats. I don't know, I don't know if you get my heart was just... You could see the relief just wash over Captain Phillips' face. You can see it. The USS Bainbridge is one of 46 guided missile destroyers that the USS Navy has. And its guns and missiles are capable of destroying more than 100 targets simultaneously. Come on. When the Bainbridge comes to the rescue, you know the pirates are in trouble. Hello, somebody. And that the real hope has finally arrived. And when I was watching that moment, I thought, man, I don't ever want to be on the wrong side of a fight with the United States Navy with the USS Bainbridge in its stock. Come on, somebody. One thing that I hope we understand about Christmas is in the midst of our sentimentality of the nativity scene and in the soft sweetness of a way in a manger, Christmas was a rescue mission. Come on, somebody. It's a rescue mission. 
And the one who come to rescue us, y'all listen to me, he wasn't outgunned, outclassed, or some hopeless underdog. Come on, you sat and watched football all day yesterday. Worried about your team being an underdog. Worried about whether your team that wasn't the underdog is going to get beaten by the underdog. You were there. Let me tell you something. At the end of the day, you either breathed a sigh of relief or you, you went to bed discouraged, depressed, and, and wondering what's going to happen and those type of things. But listen, the one who came to rescue us, he wasn't outgunned, he wasn't outclassed, and he wasn't some hopeless underdog church. The one who came to rescue us, his name was Emmanuel. He is God with us. He had the power and the authority to call down angels and to rescue us. The ancient one humbled himself to become fully man. To rescue people who were held hostage by the captivity of sin. Christmas was the beginning of a rescue mission that was conceived and carried out on our behalf by none other than God himself. Oh, you can tweet that. So this Advent, this Advent, right now, not last year's, not the year before, and not next year, this Advent, I'm expecting and preparing not to be stressed out or overwhelmed. I'm not expecting things to fall apart. Turn off the TV. Turn on the Word of God. I'm not expecting things to fall apart. I'm not preparing to be defeated. I'm waiting expectantly for God to come through for you and me. I I am waiting expectantly for Jesus to be revealed in mine and your lives. I, I am waiting expectantly to know that he is preparing heaven and he's preparing me and you to live together in that place with him. I am expecting and waiting, church, that the plans he has for me and you and for this church are for his glory and for his honor. I am expecting and waiting for his kingdom to advance through us. I'm waiting expectantly, church, for the lost to be found, the blind to be seen, and the captive to be set free. I'm waiting with great expectation for his love to be known to a dying world through you and I. If this world is truly coming, to a chaotic end. It is time for the people of God to get their business in order. It is time for us to get our houses in order. It, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about a works mentality. I'm just saying right now, right here, at some point, listen, we're not truly waiting with expectancy if we're not preparing. I'm waiting with expectation. For Jesus to return and to claim his bride. And we could get caught up in all of the, I can't, I can't, I can't. The church is fighting about when and how Jesus comes back. The church is fighting about something Jesus himself does not even know. 
If you read your Bible, you'll see he clearly says that. The disciple says, tell us when. And he says, listen, that is not for me to know. That's for my Father which is in heaven. And the church is, we're spending, trying to figure out what Jesus himself doesn't even know. My job is to be about the Father's business right now. And Christmas is a perfect time to start prepping for the kingdom. He is Emmanuel, God with us. God has come, church, and we have been rescued. I said, God has come, and we have been rescued. God has come, and we have been rescued. That's my hope. And through his rescue, I've been saved. And you're going to have to live with me forever and ever and ever if you've been saved too. Glory to God. I'm going to torment you for eternity. And let me tell you something. You, you leave here today and you know one thing and you know one thing completely. Regardless of where you're at, what you've been through and the struggle you have been through, regardless of what has held you captive, regardless of the wounds that you have experienced, regardless of the failures in your life, regardless of, of the struggle right now, I need you to understand God's rescue in your life is complete. And our best response is to prepare with great expectation. Glory, glory. To realize what Jesus said. Accomplish what he wants us to do. Because we're going to see him at the second advent. Church Christmas is a rescue mission. The prophets, their part in the mission, their, their part as a, as, as a cast member in the rescue mission of Christmas was to give us hope. Was to point us to the good heart of God. The Old Testament prophets were prophesying about mercy and grace and rescue. They weren't prophesying about law and condemnation. They were prophesying, you know, Bethlehem, even though you're the smallest, you better get ready. You better start preparing because the one who's going to rule, he's coming. And he's coming through you. I want to tell you, Centerville. I want to tell you, Firm Foundation Ministries. I want to tell you, anybody who's listening right now, you might not think much of yourself. But you better get ready. Christmas is a time when Jesus, God wants to birth Jesus through us. The world might not think much about us either. But see, here's the deal. Bethlehem, 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 the city, is not the Savior. You, me, we're not the Savior. We are just the vessels God is using to pour out the Savior into a lost and dying world. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Stand with me in this place. His name is Emmanuel, and he is God with us. Hallelujah. Come on, my church. Don't you get shy on me, lift up your soul. You've got a lion inside the 
Get up and praise the Lord. My church. Oh, come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. You've got light inside of those lungs. Come on. Get up and praise the Lord. Oh, what Christmas would be if the church gave praise to the rescuer. Oh, come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. You've got a light inside of those lungs. Get up and place for the hope that you give us. God, as we start this season, God, we embrace it. Thank you that the revelation of Christmas is that you're on a rescue mission, Lord. And you don't plan to stop until everyone hears. Lord, we, we want to prepare our hearts and lives, God, with expectancy. Expectancy, God. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will come. Let Christmas be the greatest revival that has ever come. People are saved and healed and delivered. It's with expectancy, God. 
that we wait on you. We pray it in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, come on, give the Lord praise.